0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the Working Man's On His Bicycle program in our Tour de France coverage. I'm Greg over here in Boston, and joining me as always is my good pal, Matteo, in the fine, fine Midwestern metropolis of Minneapolis. How are you doing, Matteo?
1: I'm great. We are nine stages into the Tour de France. Uh, We are recording this on Sunday, July 12th and i am just so excited i think we are we're looking at a very exciting tour and i'm just so excited about the weeks to come
0: yeah yeah so we've just finished the team time trial and now we're we're moving into our first rest day so it's the rest day uh and you know it's a a a day to uh kind of chill uh we're we're sitting we're sitting comfortably uh in the sun uh we are lounging, we are wearing uh, strategically placed stuff, lines and smiles, uh, because it is the rest day. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what you do. Uh, pose for the cameras, uh, look like you're happy and recap, uh, what has, uh, what has happened and, and maybe make some, have some thoughts about, about what's coming up.
1: Yeah, let's do that. It's been a it's been a big week since our last working Man's honest bicycle program Tour de France spectacular. So, let's go. Let's go back and forth a little bit and take a look at what we've seen over the past
0: week. Do you want to start or should I? Uh, I can start. All right. I can start. My first note here is uh well, it's a question. I have many question marks here in my notes. Uh, this one says, Tony Martin, unluckiest man in pro cycling this month. <laughs> um, he, he's It was so so up and down for him where we, we were just talking about how close he was, uh, having, having seen, uh, gosh, th- uh, three stages last time we recorded. Is that right? Or was it, uh, no, we'd only seen the first two, huh? Yeah. So we, we'd only seen the first two stages, and we'd seen him just miss the yellow jersey um, at the end of the time trial. He was second place. Uh, and then stage two, again, just missed the yellow jersey <laughs> when Conchalara snuck it uh, away in that uh, sprint by getting the time bonus. Mm-hmm. And then stage three, which had not yet happened, just missed the yellow jersey after, although Conchalara had um, crashed and, as it turned out, uh, fractured a couple of vertebrae um, such that he could not climb the Mur de Wii. Uh, fast enough to keep the yellow jersey, Uh, looked good for Martin, but Chris Froome gained just enough time to take the yellow jersey from him by one second. Uh, But then stage four happened over the cobbles. Uh, Spoiler alert, Tony Martin clips away at 3.2 kilometers to go, uh, holds off the bunch by two seconds or so, takes the win, takes the yellow jersey on on a bike that was two sizes too small uh, because he had to borrow from matteo trenton and he's in yellow and uh so excited and then two days later uh hooks up his wheel on a climb comes down breaks his collarbone and out of the race yeah so that's down uh,
1: it, yeah. I, I guess you know if you want to look for consolation we can look at the fact that his win on stage four was just so good and so oh, exciting awesome. and how much is that like the kind of win that cycling fans want to see. It was a hard stage, there were six or seven sectors of pave, it was 200 kilometers long and with 3k to go you know he looks around at the small group and just blasts away opens up a gap, holds it, absolutely rides out of his skin and uh, just looked ecstatic to take the stage win and to take the yellow jersey and both of those things are are huge deals obviously Tony Martin has a, a terrific career and lengthy palmares but wearing the yellow jersey, winning a stage of the Tour de France. Those are those are big deals in a cycling. In career. a road stage
0: no less. Yeah. Yeah. For a guy who's who's, you know, normally most of his wins I well, I don't know about. Uh, most of his wins I don't really have his palmares right in front of me, but I, I would certainly his most famous wins are all-time trials. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that so that kind of uh, this this whole situation with Martin kind of bounces over to um, I think another thing that We've seen in this past week, which is, you know, he was the, as you touched on, he was the second wearer of the yellow jersey to uh, basically crash out of the race. Not, not exactly abandon immediately following a crash. Both he and, and Cancellara on stage three, um, Martin on stage six, you know, crashed, were injured, finished the stage, but could not start the following day. So that's, uh, you know, that's something that, that we never really like to see.
0: No. No, that is not.
1: That said, you know, I, I think that every year, uh people kind of click their tongues and tut t- a little bit about how the tour is dangerous and BMC's uh Jim Ochowitz or Okowitz, I don't actually know how his name is pronounced. You know, took took to the news Och, yeah. Took to the news to say that, you know, crashes are due to smaller teams not really being good enough. Uh but for the most part, I think that it always looks like there are a lot of crashes when you watch a race that takes place day after day after day and involves 200 people. And yes, like there are sometimes big crashes and very dramatic crashes and even crashes that take out important riders. But that doesn't really tell us that, you know, there are more crashes than there used to be.
0: And yeah, I mean, news, news alert, cycling is... uh. A little dangerous at times yeah you know it doesn't it, crashes happen all the time yeah. <laughs> in in every race so uh, yeah i i don't know i think people read a lot into it yeah it's, it's really difficult to compare kind of the raw number of crashes from race to race you can sort of look at the rate of Abandons in the first week or so of the Tour de France from year to year and and you see it's really it's pretty steady mm-hmm. and any trends t- tend to happen over a long period of time and, and aren't obviously attributable to factors like you know teams that th- allegedly aren't good enough to be up there or or whatnot
1: yeah and then the other, the other thing that I think plays a role in that is that you know if you watch a spring classics campaign uh, and somebody important. Crashes and doesn't finish the race. It's like okay, someone so and so crashed and didn't finish. But it's not like there's necessarily a race the next day for them to not start. So we see, you know, we feel the absence of Martin and of Cancellara today still. You know that yeah. their their crash and their scratch is kind of still with us. So it still matters. But in a spring classics campaign or you know some other some other set of races throughout the season we don't really say we say oh you know so and so has like a little injury and they'll take a couple weeks to recover and then they're going to modify their race schedule and that's it it doesn't really doesn't really stick with us so we sort of feel this confirmation bias with grand tours because like i said it's racing that happens every day almost every day
0: yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah all right maybe we should get back to uh the actual racing yeah let's a do that bit. Um. So was, was that your little statement? Maybe I should yeah, uh, that's my throw thought. out something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to say the... So Tony Martin Crashing did unfortunately overshadow a great stage win by uh, Zednik Stibar, which was so exciting. So exciting for the cyclocross fans out there, I think. Uh, of course, three-time world champion in cyclocross, Stibar. Uh, who's shown so much promise on the road, uh, has some really great results so so far, uh, has ridden really well in like Paris-Roubaix and stuff. And just, uh, well, what it looks like happened is he jumped away toward the top part of that uh, climb uh, at the end of stage six, but we didn't get to see him attack. We didn't get to see that moment because the cameras were all on Tony Martin and, and the rest of the favorites on the ground. Yeah, that, that was
1: that was a huge bummer because when the cameras went to Stebar's attack, he had already had some separation over the field, and obviously, you know, he was in the drops. He was gunning it. It's kind of like my comment about Martin's stage win two stages prior. That's the kind of race that you just want to see. You want to see someone, you know, doing like, an absolute it. go for broke, do or die move
0: yeah absolutely and and that's kind of that's uh that's sh- stevie <laughs> he's a he's a lovable rider yeah uh he's just whether whether he's bringing the brap in cyclocross, uh, <laughs> or <laughs> or doing much of the same thing out on the road i believe he, he won uh oh shoot um the white roads strata Bianca mm-hmm. race this spring um really coming to the to the fore as a great one-day rider and uh, able to to pull it together for stage wins and grand tours as well
1: yeah and that's that's really nice to see because then you get you get a better sense of someone being an all-around very good rider and not just a specialist and and almost for comparison i'd look at uh sepp van who i have a huge soft spot for him because i kind of like I identified him fairly early on in his career, and I was like, oh, I think I'm kind of excited about this guy. And then in 2012, mm-hmm. he won Pet Nisblad, and I was super excited. And then ever since then, you know, he's, like, taken shots at the, the big cobbled classics, and it's never really come together for him. Nor
0: has he really figured out how to win other races. I mean, he's done he's done pretty well. He's He's been second in Paris-Roubaix. Yeah, uh, he does seem to have just ridiculous bad luck. Actually, on this cobble stage today, he flatted out of the front group like twice. Yeah, uh, It was just like me.
1: And, that, and that's like, you know, totally indicative of the luck that he had. In particular this year, I think at the Tour of Flanders, the Ronde van Vlanderen, you know, he attacked up, uh, I, I forget which, which hill it was. He attacked up it, formed the lead group, and
0: immediately flatted. And... Yeah. <laughs> What can you do there? I think, I think a lot of Yummo needs to look at their tire sponsor, look them <laughs> in the eye, <laughs> and say, what's going on here, guys? Yeah. Like, this is a problem. Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. All right, what's, what's your next uh, thought? So we had
1: uh, kind of a bumpy first week in terms of parkours, not in terms of uh, what was mm-hmm. necessarily happening. Uh, we mentioned the the finish uh, to La Havre, Your listeners are going to have to pardon my atrocious pseudo-French accent. Um, but we also had finishes on the Mir de Wies and the Mir de Bretagne, which were uh, uh, both really exciting. So on the Mir de Wies, uh, known for featuring in the finale of La Fletch Wallonne, we saw Joaquin Rodriguez finish first. Uh, Froome looked strong, I think it made for really exciting racing. And kind of same goes for the, the Mir de Britannia, where, uh, was it Alex Viermos one? And, you know, again, Froome kind of racing at the front, looking really strong. I think none of these caused any uh, major GC shakeups. Nabali lost 10 seconds on the Mir de Britannia a couple days ago, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but they make for really exciting first week racing.
0: Yeah, it's been actually, and that, that's, that's on my list here, is that... Uh, you know, though there's been some time losses, um, most the biggest time loss is still actually in the crosswinds on stage two, rather than on these these climbs. Uh, it's it's still a pretty tight race as we're heading into the Pyrenees after this uh, this rest day. Like it's it's been pretty uh, it's been exciting without just completely obliterating <laughs> sort of the. Uh, Excitement of the race. Yeah. Or or I guess that was a little bit of a redundant way to put that. And obviously, some some people
1: have been obliterated. Uh, Thibaut Pinot lost, I don't know, like an hour and a half on stage Uh, four. uh, It
0: wasn't actually, it was actually three and a half minutes. Three
1: and a half minutes. It might as well be an hour. Well, you know, maybe not. But, uh, and, you know, uh, Wilco Kelderman, who's another um, time trial and climber who I was was excited to see race this year, he also lost a ton of time. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. some riders have seen their GC hopes go up in smoke but I've been over on the uh working man's honest bicycle program twitter account I've been collecting the sort of virtual GC at the end of each at the end of each stage where there's a significant change and then just putting them on a scatter plot so you can visualize the kind of where the clustering is happening and there's there's still a lot of clustering sort of between one and two minutes behind
0: Froome's yellow jersey so yeah and these, these are gaps that in the mountains could uh Really, flip, absolutely. Depending on what happens, absolutely. Yeah, on the point of Pino, I don't think that I don't think that his GC chances uh, really went up in smoke through through anything other than, unfortunately, his own kind of um, well, honestly, sort of inability to get uh, out of his own head a little bit. I I feel bad for the guy. I I like Pino, Um, really stylish climber and, and good racer, but you know when he lost his time on the on the cobbles in stage four, it kind of a meltdown um, and just sort of said, well, it's kind of over. I'm, I'm just giving up essentially, which is which is unfortunate because, you know, yeah, you're down. You're probably, the, the podium is a bit bit much, but it's, you know, it's almost like he's psyching himself out because it's like, well, he got the podium last year. Now it's like, well, that dream is over. But hey, you know, it's a different field this year. You know, you, you have uh, Froome still in the race and Contador still in the race and there's still... There's still high GC placing to race for, and, and you know, I, I only hope that uh, there's someone trying to talk sense into them mm-hmm. a little bit.
1: Cause. Man, a, a lot needs to go right, and a lot needs to not go wrong in order to just preserve your shot at,
0: mm-hmm. at a, a good GC ride in a Grand Tour. Yeah, for sure for sure well how about actually what's what's gone wrong so far for some people I, I kind of would would like to hear what you think of um the sort of little signs of vulnerability that we've seen so far uh, aside from the crosswind losses that some of the riders had so on stage three on the mort we uh Froome attacked uh, went to mm-hmm. the front and, and drilled it and, and contador got right on his wheel uh hung on for a bit and then popped uh, and, and didn't really lose any appreciable amount of time nothing nothing worth really worrying about but nonetheless couldn't hold Froome's wheel on that climb uh, and then Nibali as, as you mentioned already uh, dropped from the front group on the Mur de Britannia and lost about 10 seconds there so the, the thing is they look like moments of weakness like oh is Contador tired uh, is Nibali going to be unable to hack it? But on the sa- at the same time, these are such short little explosive climbs. So how much I don't know. How much is there to read into these things?
1: <laughs> Again, I'm wary of confirmation bias because I was I was almost about to say, well, for Nibali, you know, I don't think it really matters. He tends to uh, kind of you know definitely get better throughout the tour. Mm-hmm. For Contador, it definitely matters because I think he's tired from the Giro. <laughs> 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 and that's a that's a pretty ridiculous answer to take. I I do. I very much, you know, am not picking Contador for a particularly good performance this tour because I just don't think it's realistic with uh, with a tough zero in his legs. Um. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, right? Does it is it a sign of something for Contador, but not a sign of something for Nibuli? I can't really say. I, we're gonna we're just gonna have to wait and find out. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean. I'm I'm a little bit less optimistic about Nibali, maybe, um, given given the lead up. But yeah, you know, he, it, it's it's a question for a reason because I don't know. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so easy to look at at little little baubles like that and think, oh well, that's that's it, you know, that's gonna really show up on a grander scale when we get to the big big climbs. But uh, you know, it's not necessarily the case. I, I think that there's still a lot of questions. I think that you can kind of look at how the front runners are doing right now and say that um, Chris Froome is looking just really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's to me he's he's actually kind of looking like the best guy that, right now. I, yeah,
1: and I think I think that is per expectations more or less. Yeah, um, you know the. When you're in the sky machine, but it's it's almost expected that you've just got it all nailed down. Yeah. Uh and, similarly, mm-hmm. TJ Van Garderen is also looking very good. And it's He's it's looking it's the consistency good. that we really look for in the first week, isn't it?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: And one one of the things that I remember is when Cadell Evans won in twenty eleven. Yes. Uh I, I don't think he was ever like more than he was always in like the top three of the GC. He was always in
0: the top three of the GC the whole race. Yeah, yeah. He he basically
1: it, like started at the front and stayed there.
0: It is an it, it is an eerily similar performance from T.J. Van Garderen. Just like I, lurking, riding consistently. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that he's uh, the favorite over Froome. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just
1: it's just when it comes to when it comes to you know. Uh, Keeping an eye on American prospects, that's a that's a good sign.
0: Sure, yeah, it, it absolutely is a good sign, and, and he's he's looking like a really credible threat for the podium right yeah. now. I, you know, again, the big mountains will show. Uh, on on that note, it was sort of surprising today in the team time trial uh, to to see Sky actually crack a bit on that last climb. They were hitting the base uh, timed at five seconds up on BMC had been had been. Uh, kind of doing nice uh, what's called negative splits on the time trial going out a little bit slower in the first third and kind of picking up the pace in the second third and then you know looking like they were going to blow it out of the water because they in the final third because they have a, a more climber focused team in this team time trial finished on a, a nasty what two kilometer climb yeah or something a like bit that a bit of a kicker but uh, you know, it's a team. It's a team time trial, and it's the fifth guy across the line, and you gotta you gotta keep that fifth guy and uh, their fifth guy in line for Sky was uh, Nico Roach, and he cracked pretty hard the last 500 meters, uh, and they had to slow up to to bring him in with the team, and it was just enough to hand BMC the the stage win in the team time trial by a second. Yeah. Now I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that that means that. Uh, Froome is vulnerable in the mountains because that's a very different story. He clearly could have ridden away from his entire team, but uh, it was it was surprising to see, you know, the vaunted climbing domestiques of Sky a little bit humbled by by BMC there. Who, right, who, who, because much in, more of a yeah.
1: in in past years, uh, Roche has been responsible for helping slaughter other people in the mountains, mm-hmm. and. If he's struggling, and let's also remember that you know Sky threw him at the Giro for GC uh, Ames, and those didn't pan out. But if uh, if 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 Nico Roach is crumbling, they 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 also have Richie Port, Woot Powell's and Peter Kenyak. But Kenyak? Kenyak is Ken- that's that's Ken- that's not the right set of letters for I've that. I've
0: heard well I've heard Kenyak. I've heard Kenya, uh, Kenya uh, various points. Uh, I basically, uh, the young man from Wales. I yeah. I prefer my
1: unpronounceable names to be Eastern European. Thank you very much.
0: Or is he Scottish? I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. You, you feel like you should be on some pretty solid footing when it's, uh, uh, the United Kingdom.
1: The yeah. But so anyway, anyway, with that, language. with, with Roach looking human, um, I think that's a lot of pressure on, on Richie Port to protect from in the mountains and we got a lot of mountains coming up
0: we do though i i have to say i i have a certain amount of i, I don't know the, the conventional wisdom is that you need lots of climbers to be uh to keep your leader from being isolated in the mountains and that you know being isolated is bad da 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 um bmc has tended with their well for example with their winning squad uh from cattel evans their approach seems to have been like look we're, we're not going to be able to be competitive uh, in terms of our climbing domestiques we just don't have the great climbers so instead they built a team around rulers really to protect Cadell uh, on kind of the flats in the first week and that's the same approach that they've taken in the tour Uh, Sorry, with with the the tour, same, same, same uh, race. Sorry, in the in this year with uh, T.J. Van Garderen and I don't know. I I kind of wonder about the. Yeah, it's nice to be able to set the pace and and things like that. But you know, ultimately, if your rider is getting isolated and your rider is Chris Froome, uh, (laughs) it it might be okay. (laughs) Like repeatedly, repeatedly in the Giro this year, when Contador found himself with no teammates. Uh, in the mountains it was like well yeah but it's it's contador like he's okay Mm like it's it's not a big deal i I don't i don't know that it pans out in the favor of of the climber team all that often It mostly kind of like yeah you can burn off the other team's domestiques sooner if they're weaker Mm -hmm. um but you know things can backfire on you too like uh i remember sky coming to the the tour five years ago in 2010 with Bradley Wiggins and and on one particular mountain stage I don't remember which one uh, they they went all I don't know Discovery Channel right and, UK Postal yeah UK Postal well they this was before they had actually made it work uh, they kind of lined out on the climb and just drilled it and just like rode you know rode themselves out of <laughs> out of the race and Bradley <laughs> Wiggins like finished down on time and I don't even remember who won that stage but it was it was it was kind of a, a demonstration of you know going and crushing it on the front with your climbers is not a guarantee of uh killing everyone unless you've just got better climbers in which case what's the problem i don't know I, I guess that's a long way of saying that i don't think it's necessarily a, a super big problem even for tj if he's alone Mm -hmm. in the mountains i mean because he's got to ride at whatever pace he can ride whether that is as fast as Froome or a little slower Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of not gonna be a whole lot of use to him to have i don't know someone else on the team who's gonna pace him
1: i think yeah it's this is one of those things that as uh internet pundits but even the non-internet pundits this we just like to sort of Gobble them up and speculate about it, because what we're doing is we're waiting for, for this week to come. And uh, on on Tuesday we've got the first the first real finishing climb, and I say, real, meaning a big freaking climb. It's an ORS category climb. Uh, on Wednesday there's a, a bumpy day with a C a category one climb and an Norse category climb, and on Thursday there are two category one climbs, and fish finishes it off with an ors category climb, so you know we've we've talked about time gaps we we speculate about advantages and teamwork and it's it's all just prelude to to this stuff mm-hmm. and this is not this is not a gentle introduction you know to to climbing it's boom finishing climb and then boom mountainous day boom another mountainous day this is this is a big week.
0: It is, yes, big, big week. It's, it's really going to be. I mean, we've got three really climb heavy days in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to, <laughs> it's going to put the cat amongst the pigeons. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, the rest has all been kind of, uh, I don't know, an, an appetizer, mm-hmm. really. So I don't know, on that note, do you feel like, uh, Uh, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. And do you want to rate, based on what you've seen, take a little chance and kind of rate the favorites so far as to to who's looking like they might be good in the next three days? Well, next three days of racing starting Tuesday. Oof. Truthfully,
1: I I don't really want to. Um, Yeah. Because I think that what we've seen up until now is... Is not really evidence uh, of any future performance, really. I, I don't think we've got we've got enough to like talk about and speculate about, it, like a little bit and chew over and have a good time. But I I don't think that we've we've seen anything that can offer us any kind of predictive value
0: to mm-hmm.
1: to the the days that we've got coming up.
0: So you're gonna you're gonna wimp out, is what you're telling me.
1: Totally, totally. Okay, all right. So here's here's <laughs> here's what we're gonna do.
0: I, I uh. This is, it should be noted that that, by the way, I'm sorry uh, that that Friday and Saturday are also not going to be easy days. Yeah,
1: the, those are, and even Sunday too is a is a bumpy stage. Although so Sunday is mostly bumpy going
0: down. We're actually kind of going directly from the Pyrenees into the Alps. Whew. It's so it's it's really brutal. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So, yeah, sorry. Go on.
1: So I, I need to call up the. Uh, the general classification actually the it's it's not quite uh, up yet from today's result actually not not deeper than the top 10 but um, still in, in the GC we've got a bunch of riders who are not going to stay there for very long Peter Sagan, Tony Gallopin, Greg Van Avermaet, <clears throat> Rigoberto mm-hmm. Urán. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm pretty interested in in some of the some of the people kind of clustered in like you know 8th to 20th sort of in that range. Because, yeah. uh, Mollema on trek has had a good ride so far. Robert Gessink on one of the lottos is having a good ride, and then there's still there's a you know, uh, Kreuziger is up there, so Contador's got some support for whatever may happen. Uh, Nairo Quintana took took some time today on a few people. Yeah. So he's you know he's within striking distance when we're looking at big mountains obviously that's that's just something i'm i'm very excited to see (laughs) Uh, but yeah there's there's just such a big bubble of riders kind of within two minutes that you know i I, obviously we're we're waiting for the fireworks between Froome, nibali quintana contador but with Vanguarder in there uh with uran with giants warren bargo uh Malama, guessing like all, all these guys still, still in in very good situations. <sighs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, so I'm I'm not gonna make any predictions. I'm just gonna sort of stick with. I'm really excited to see what's gonna happen. I think I'll I'll have, yeah. I'll have a little bit stronger stance next week when we've had a little bit more of a shakeout.
0: Sure, that makes sense. Do you want to take I, a stronger stance than I just did there? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Well, well, let's just look at a couple more of the the people up there. Well, just just one more in particular. Uh, We've got uh, Alejandro Valverde still in seventh place, um, still with nine seconds over his, well, putative supposed team leader, (laughs) Quintana. Uh, Valverde has been looking like a very uh, reluctant teammate so far. (laughs) <laughs> it hasn't that hasn't looked to have been doing a whole lot to help uh quintana and let's hope that doesn't uh let's hope that doesn't blow up in quintana's face in in the mountains
1: yeah i think uh, i think once once it gets steep and long it's going to be all yeah. quintana
0: yeah i mean the, the question is is whether valverde is going to be able to put aside his pride or whatever i i don't know <laughs> it's really it's hard to like him uh yes <laughs> for a multitude of reasons and he's not i don't think he's endearing himself to quintana fans i don't not that he's being like super he, he's not doing anything that's sort of overtly uh against the interests of quintana but uh he's he's definitely looking like he wants to race for himself and maybe that will change once once he uh inevitably uh, gets dropped and loses a boatload of time and you know and, and now we it, at least uh Quintana has no obligation to wait for him this year. There's uh, there's that something have... that you
1: see from people who are racing absolutely 100% for their team. And what I'm thinking of is I picked for my velo games squad Mikhail Kwiatkowski, because he's an awesome rider. He's really good at riding bikes and with the first uh the first week being so so lumpy and so suited to these these punchers and these kind of power climbers, I really thought that he had a crack at the the Mur de Wee stage, the stage de la Havre, the Mur de Br- like he had a crack at three stages. But mm. you know he was on committed domestique work and he was popping off on those climbs rather than contesting the stage. And you yeah, know, popping it, off so hard, we're, he we're looking at, himself out. Yeah, we're looking at someone who is suited to stage victories and wearing the rainbow stripes. But he's working so hard before all that, that he's he's getting popped. So yeah. he's earned me, you know, not a whole lot of points from my Velo Games yeah. team. But uh, you know, like like that's that's what we see when someone is really really doing doing the teamwork. Instead yeah. of instead of, you know, getting into moves and leaving your team
0: leader behind in splits on difficult yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, kind of, day. kind of kind of Right or or getting to the front move on the cobbles and and driving, yeah. on the front like come on yeah. even even you can even be a team leader and and really you know be a clear team player actually I don't know I don't know if anyone else thought much about this but when today on the team time trial um when Roach was cracking in the last you know couple hundred meters it, it looked to me that Froome looked back dropped back and actually paced roach back onto the back of the group before going back to the front
1: yeah absolutely um, which was which was really smart for a couple of reasons you know his the the couple teammates right behind him can keep on driving the pace and Froome drops back and he kind of fills the gap
0: between yeah between them and Roche. and then i thought it was both smart and it was a classy move yeah I, you know i tip my i tip my cap to you chris Froome. yeah Yeah, Yeah. he's not the. You could you could
1: see a lot of temptation to want to cross the line first, wearing yellow. You're racing for the stage win there, but uh, he he remembered what was going on there. Yeah. Uh, There was an interesting tweet earlier today from uh, Yoseba Balaki, who you might remember from that famous Armstrong crash. Cyclocross, running through the field, dismount, terrible remount, pat on the back from Tyler Hamilton situation. The, the descent in the gap. a blocker was the one who like crashed on some some yeah hot pavement, broke his
0: broke his femur in like two and places and he ruined oh, his career. Awful.
1: Yeah, but he tweeted uh, be, uh, in Spanish. I'll translate. Beware of individual genius today. They are bad companions uh, hmm. with with respect to the team time trial and it 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 could it could be so tempting to feel strong and ride strong and put your teammates in a world of hurt and kudos to Froome he kept his wits about him and he did not do yeah, that when when Roche totally, uh, yeah. was
0: struggling so so yeah i will give a i will give a slight rating uh right. based on what i've seen before we move on to our velo games standings uh we, they won't be updated i think for um the team time trial yet uh but we can we can talk to them up to the point of up to the point of saturday's stage i guess mm-hmm. um so i i suppose looking at what I, we've seen I, I i just want to say that i think the chris room is looking obviously like the strongest rider so far um that's pretty much as expected as as we said and i you know i he doesn't like warm the cockles of my heart or anything like that but I, i'm finding myself with some respect for him yeah uh as a as a rider he's been he's been confident he's been not whining he's been <laughs> he's he's been a good team player uh good leader so yeah good good for him um i'm i'm rating uh tj van Garderen higher than than i would have before because he's just really riding a super mature um and really consistent race i don't i don't really know how well he'll climb but he was very close to chris Froome in the Dauphiné yeah um so i i think that he could well i think he's got a f- as good a chance as anyone as as holding on to that uh spot on the virtual podium um uh, through the next few days uh and i th- i think that other riders like uh Quintana and Contador are much more unknown uh factors at this point it's it's just hard to know it's hard to know what's going to happen with them i mean not that not in the sense that Quintana uh, Il and Nibali too um not in the sense that I I don't think Quintana is going to ride well. The question is how, how well. Like, he kind of hasn't had a chance to show any of his stuff. Right. Is what I'm saying. Uh, so we, we have no idea how well he's really climbing. Like, maybe he will be able to put some time into Froom, Maybe he won't. Uh, Contador, for me, the question is more is he going to be able to hang on and kind of move up through attrition. But we'll see. Maybe he'll surprise me. We shall see. So... Yeah, and and you know, and Nibali again. Um, we'll have to see. I, I it, it kind of depends. I, I think that Nibali's chances might depend on partly how Contador does as we get into the third week. So so watch that space. But I'm rating I'm rating Froome and Van Gogh very well. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's I think that's a I think that's a good safe prediction.
0: Yeah, pretty safe. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm taking big risks. So, uh, Velo Games, our league, the Working Man's Honest Fantasy, or sorry, Working Man's Fantasy Bicycle League. Do you have that, do you have the standings pulled up?
1: I do have the standings pulled up. Uh, Jenny's Team Hot is still in the lead despite the kiss of death that she gave to both Fabian Cancellara and Tony Martin.
0: Well, judging judging by the criteria for that team, it may, it may well be a kiss of death.
1: <laughs> and and we might see we might see this team and similar ones not earning too many more points in the future. Tony Gallipan, Peter Sagan, you know these guys these guys have have had their chance, and I think uh, much more climbing and GC oriented teams are going to shine. This is, of course you know my <clears throat> hope that my team will. Get it together. We will see. Because so far it's been a bit of a train wreck.
0: (laughs) Hasn't been going too great for me either. Um, Let me pull up. Let me pull it up myself to to get a look at where things are. Yeah. So um, it it should be said that uh, Team Hot is the lead. The lead is shrinking. Uh, She's down to only 207 points over the next team coming up hoss Mm -hmm. team uh who has really some pretty pretty good picks but also has uh tony martin in there so and cavendish and other people who aren't so likely to do well over the next few days Uh, what what i'm noticing so as of uh as of saturday it's a very tight battle between uh Mario, your team Zubas and Sperry Topsiders, and my team Team Science, we've we've traded places a couple times.
1: We have. We've been duking
0: it out in the middle. Yes, we are solidly we are solid mid pack contenders. Uh, just looking at the the current uh, arrangement, I, I I might expand extend that lead a little bit, um, but who knows? Because you've got Froom in, in yellow. Uh, I've got Van in and Quintana. You also have Quintana, so so we we might be even closer together. It's it's hard to say. <laughs> so watch this space. Uh, we'll try and uh, let, let's say that we'll put out an update on our Twitter account with the latest standings once they become available, uh, so you can find out on the rest day how things are really going.
1: Indeed. Uh, the other thing is that it's you know it's sort of hard to to keep tabs on all twenty teams and, and who's been kind of shooting up in the rankings and maybe who's been plummeting. But I I plan to do a little spreadsheet action to see uh, what teams have had some really dynamic first nine stages and we'll we'll do some tweeting about that as well.
0: Oh, alright. Spreadsheet action. I'd like, that, I'd, like mean, to tra- I'd like to track already. people's
1: progress over time. This this will be an exciting way for me to spend my work day.
0: <laughs> much more exciting than working certainly. <laughs> well, you know. You should work. We are we are working We are we, we hard are workers, it. honest yes. and true. Honest and very true. Well, do you have any final comments? We didn't cover
1: we didn't cover sprinting, uh and I, this tour is not a sprint heavy tour. I think you know, my brief comment is that Cav got the stage that he was looking for. Uh, and Sagan is holding the green jersey right now, but really Andre Greipel has been looking super strong. He tends to kind of have ups and downs in general, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes being very strong and then sometimes being just like a, you know, fifth through tenth place kind of sprinter. Yeah, sure. Uh, but this is, you know, this is a, a terrific tour for him so far.
0: Andre Greipel's on top four, and that was it was a really beautiful win by uh, Cavendish. Actually, that was that was very exciting to watch. It, it looked it was it was really kind of classic Cavendish, uh, where he ended up finding himself uh, surfing wheels. Uh, his lead out, in, in kind of a theme, <laughs> his lead out wasn't working out super well for him, uh, and this has been happening a lot unfortunately. Uh, and he hopped onto the Katusha train, uh, onto Kristoff's wheel. Uh, Greipel launched real early. Uh, Cav went to go with him, and then suddenly found himself kind of pinched behind, uh, looking, looking really boxed in behind, uh, Kristoff and somehow kind of somehow managed to find his way through, kind of, uh, tagged, uh, Sagan a little bit with his, his shoulder found the the tiniest gap on the right, as he, uh, went past Kristoff and, and Serge past I And mean, he actually said, and not that interested in post-stage interviews. Most of the time they're, uh, just supremely uninteresting just like all sports <laughs> interviews <laughs> we gave it a 100% for the team just gotta give it 100% um, <laughs> team
1: was great you know a... but
0: it was yeah team was great but it was really interesting to hear Gavin just say yeah I actually had to back off a bit and you, you could see he had to he had to kind of hold up because he was coming up uh, too fast and the guys in front had nowhere to go and then suddenly there was a space and he went and it was just yeah it was vintage. It was great.
1: Yeah. He, uh, The other thing that he said was that was really interesting, he said, uh, Greipel was a gentleman. He could have closed the door by which he means, you know, move over to the barriers and, and prevent Cav from crashing. Yeah. He said Greipel was a gentleman. He could have closed the door on me uh, and Sagan would have.
0: <laughs>
1: which I actually saw him take a bit of heat for that comment too and I, I think it's just, it's totally unnecessary to, to criticize Cav for that. Cav Cav definitely made a lot of people not like him with his early career, and he still draws mm-hmm. a lot of criticism. You know, he drew criticism for allegedly, like, sitting up, and we covered this last week, you know, sitting up, and then Cancelar got the yellow jersey on, on stage right. uh, stage two. This is total crap. I think people are looking for reasons to criticize him when, in interviews, Cav is uh, very articulate. He's very knowledgeable. He really knows what's going on, and he talks about what happened, and so... You know, when he said, yeah, Renshaw dropped me off too early and I I couldn't sprint the full distance, that wasn't criticism and that wasn't him bashing his team. Um, And when he said that about Greipel and Sagan, you know, again, I I think that was definitely not an example of him not being a classy rider. That was him being just uh, analytical and intelligent and completely accurate about what happened. And that's what we want from athletes so yeah, i I used, her, to, I used to hate yeah. cav and now i'm like a Cav apologist because i think that he's <laughs> he's smart and interesting and entertaining and exciting and uh i think i think people who are looking for reasons to dislike him are absolutely misguided
0: yeah i, I was never a cav a cavendish hater but but he certainly was a, a, a lot more of a loose cannon uh when he was younger and you a, know, a total he, prat. yeah yeah he, yeah sure um but as you say, he's really become, I mean, he's, at least as he comes across, one of the smartest guys in the professional peloton. Yeah. Just period. Just like, as in like, a smart and interesting person. Yeah. Uh, and is able to actually articulate in his post-stage interviews what happened. And, and yeah, and I would, I actually would be pretty surprised if Peter Sagan would be offended. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he would be, but but, but I mean, I, that I, just strikes I, me as I would the truth.
1: If someone said that about me... I think my attitude would have been like, well, yeah, because I was trying to get to the finish line first, and that is a legal move in order to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Greifel certainly didn't have to do that, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make him a better or worse racer either way, Yeah. really. Uh, you know, it would be an understandable thing. So, yeah, and so so kudos. Uh, really, really enjoy uh, what Cavendish has to say these days and, and seeing him race. And, you know, he just remains honestly one of the kind of genius sprinters definitely of his day and i don't just mean in terms of you know winning everything and having big acceleration but you can see especially as he gets older and has less of that uh just ridiculous acceleration that that made it easy uh, you know for him early on how savvy he is in the closing kilometers of a race absolutely
1: and and like you said uh you know his win on stage 7 was was a, a genius sprint. He he freelanced it so 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 well and that
0: was just beautiful. Yeah, nice to see. Okay, we better wrap it up. Yep. I'd say that's a good uh a good uh rest day summary. We can we can remove the uh the golden plush lines and put on some golden underpants. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and whoops that was a, a phone dropping and and uh you know some some team issued track suits uh <laughs> everyone's seen what they came here to see uh, <laughs> you can get in touch with us uh you know by all means follow us on twitter at underscore whbp you can find me at growly Matteo is at underscore matthew i
1: am indeed holler How at us not? uh yeah, I am. I am, yeah. And you should you should holler at us. You should uh, let us know your predictions. If you're in the the fantasy Bello Games League and you think that your team is a team of note, um definitely, you know let us know. We point encourage out, we encourage coaching. Point out trash some things talking. that we may have missed. Um be a part of the conversation. That's uh we're doing this podcast because we wanted to be part of the conversation and we think that you should holler at us because uh because you ought to be part of it too.
0: Yeah. And you know, if if you're listening, you're thinking, "Oh, I like it more when they talk about like amateur racing and and and, and random stuff." Don't worry, we'll get back to that soon. Um, we're I don't know about you, uh, Matteo. Uh, I suspect you are like me, are having a lot of fun doing this. Uh, yeah. But tour fever will leave us, so hang in there. <clears throat> uh, but hopefully, you're hopefully you're enjoying this journey with us. Trying something a little different right now. Uh, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. We love that. Uh, email us to tell us that we're full of crap. Um, you can do that at honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. And we will catch you a week from now to at the two-thirds point, yeah?
1: Yeah, to uh, yeah. to wrap up some of those first major mountain stages of the tour and see where we are at at the second rest day of the tour and as we're staring down the barrel of the mountainous
0: endgame all right thanks for listening catch you next time